and welcome to today's episode of Margaritas with Margarita Chang, CFP Pro. I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, and we are here today with Elizabeth Alfano, the CEF of VegTech Invest, the advisor to the VegTech Plant-Based Innovation and Climate ETF, EATV. She is an amazing woman with a ton of information for us. So I'm going to kick it over to you, Rita. Thank you both for being here with us. Thank you so much. This topic is so important to me professionally and personally. My eldest daughter graduated with a degree in supply chain management and concentration in sustainability. Elizabeth, thank you so much for being here. Let's get to it. Tell us about EatV. Yes, I'm so happy to do that. So I do host the Plant-Based Business Hour, and that's its title. I'm CEO of VegTech Invest, and VegTech Invest is the advisor to the world's first and only plant-based innovation ETF, and that ticker is EATV. Uh, we do have an index, but it's a benchmark for the industry since we've launched a completely new impact asset class in the marketplace before EATV there wasn't an opportunity to focus on a great alternative to impacting climate change, which is alternative proteins. People thought, oh, hey, you have electric vehicles and you have alternative energy, but no one had really considered alternative proteins. And when we launched the ETF, EATV, that's when we thought maybe we should launch a non-tracking benchmark index so that people have an understanding of the sector as a whole, as well as that product. So um, thank you for asking about EatV. And um, we've been in market just about a year now. What a year it has been in the market. Uh, not for the faint of heart, obviously a crazy, crazy market, but um, the interest in plant-based innovation and alternative proteins has been off the charts. I just came back from COP27. So COP27 is the United Nations yearly summit on climate change. I was asked to speak about investing in alternative proteins as a way to impact environmental issues and climate change. So there's just so much going on now in the world. Sadly, COVID and war has underscored the fragileness of our food supply system and governments are more interested than ever in alternative proteins. As the SEC focuses on scope one emissions, scope two emissions, scope three emissions, and that educated consumer becomes more focused on supply chain carbon footprint, you see that industry is interested in alternative proteins for its positive carbon footprint. And then the consumer wants more options and healthier options. So all of the key stakeholders want a shift of the food supply system. And you're seeing food systems shift for people, the planet and animals everywhere on people's minds. So the markets might be topsy-turvy, but we believe we're at the beginning of a very big mega trend. I love this. And we know that Gen Z and millennials are leading the charge. Uh, can you expand upon that? Is that Gen Z and millennials uh, in North America or really across the globe? Because you just spoke at the UN summit. It's really across the globe. I mean, in, in many ways, I would say the UK is leading the charge here. Um, millennials who aren't so young <laughs> anymore. You know, they're a they can be 40 years old, um, which is young, I'm, you know, but um, they're, they're not teenagers anymore. So they have a lot of buying power, millennials, Gen Z, and people are starting to talk about Gen Alpha, um, perhaps not in the investment case, but certainly in the consumer case. And they are educated 
They take to Google. They figure out their health questions. They don't rely on doctors or government, certainly, to tell them what they need or what's recommended. They do their homework. They're hyper-concerned about a healthy plant. It, as well as their own health as they get into their late 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, they're concerned with health as, as older generations are as well. So older generations are also interested in, in plant-based innovation, but it really is driven by millennials and Gen Z as they think about planetary health, as well as personal health, as well as financial health. These things all come together and making an impact with their dollars, aligning their dollars with their values, highly important to millennials. Love it. This really resonated with me too. It all resonates with me, but why are plant-based foods and plant-based innovation deflationary? Why are they recession-proof? Yes. I love this question. People still need to eat. So food in um, inflationary times and even in recessionary times, it's still something that people buy. And here's why I say that, you know, all the major stakeholders wanted government consumers and industry Industry is in a super tough spot. I say industry meaning meat. <laughs> Why would meat companies want plant-based innovation? Well, they're under more and more scrutiny for the external costs that they dump on society. Things like 41% of the world's global deforest, excuse me, uh, tropical deforestation comes from animal agriculture, a whopping one third of the world's global methane emissions comes from animal agriculture. They currently don't pay for these costs that society bears in general, not to mention the health costs. Um, so they really want it, but they also want it for the business bottom line. If you can imagine, we cut down trees, these trees that take carbon from the air, which we kind of need, but okay. We cut them down and we grow crops, crops that have fiber and protein. Do we give that food to people? No, we give it to animals and then they need more crops, more time. That means more water, more land. Really fat cost of goods sold. Now, if you could get rid of that cost of goods sold, bypass the animal altogether. I'm not saying everyone's going to eat rice and beans. That's not what I mean. I don't mean everyone's going to eat plant-based burgers. They're going to have meat but it's going to be meat without the cow. These innovations and technologies that are shifting our food supply system to bypass the animal means enormous costs of goods sold reduction and ultimately brings the price down. So to answer your question, how can plant-based innovation be deflationary is because our current food supply system is not only inefficient and wasteful, but it's expensive. We're feeding animals, not people. We don't even get a good conversion rate on the animals that we do feed it. It takes about um, nine calories of crops to get one calorie of chicken. It takes a whopping 35 to 40 calories of crops to get one calorie of beef. Awful math, particularly if you care about feeding people and the global population is going from about 8 billion, which we just hit, to about 10 billion, but you're not getting more land and you're not getting more water. So now you've got to feed people. That's why governments are so interested. You can't have political legitimacy if you're not feeding people. So you just see that the business equation is inefficient. And in time, when we scale up plant-based innovation, it will bring down food costs tremendously for the better of all. Now you're talking about food justice too. So it's um, all the stakeholders want it because it's good for everybody. Thank you for that. Now, I don't want to put you in a situation where you're like violating any confidentiality. Can you speak to some of the companies in this strategy if you're able to? Yes, I'm so happy to do that. People always ask me like, 
Well, fine. Okay. I get the logic, but what could possibly be in Eat V? No, it is not just the consumer packaged goods brands that you see up and down the grocery store aisle. It is innovation and technology up and down the supply chain. So at every point of the business equation around the world, so there are 42 companies, as I say, up and down the supply chain. So starting with ag tech, like greenhouses and vertical farms and sustainable fertilizers. Then we move to those novel technologies like precision fermentation and cultivated meat. I can do a deep dive on the tech if you'd like, but you see these B2B companies that are licensing out these novel technologies so that more and more companies can create new products. Then you have ingredient companies. You know, we can't just monocrop soy, alfalfa, and wheat for cows to eat. We have to bring in chickpea and quinoa and fava bean so that they're, again, the consumer loves choices, more novel choices for high protein foods that are fed directly to people. Then after ingredients, we see all of the companies that are focused on flavor and technology and getting these alternative proteins to just have the right texture. Multinational companies like Givaudin, for example, out of Switzerland. Um, and, and kind of a fun note here, Givaudin, this and texture and flavor company, ingredient and ingredient company. These are large multinational legacy players. A lot of people think, oh, Eat V must be really risky or something because it's only small cap, truly um, innovative companies. And they are innovative and that's wonderful for growth time. But we also have an enormous amount of value companies that are using their expertise in the food supply system to lead the shift. Sometimes you can get legacy players that dig in their heels and don't do anything. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for those leaders that are using their expertise. Like AB InBev, you might say like, well, what would a beer company be doing here? Well, they're, who knows fermentation? AB InBev, the largest fermenter in the world. So as we shift to really clean label products that are fermenting proteins with the use of microbes, we already eat microbes, folks. It's in your beer. It's in your bread, yeast. We're well, we're very familiar. This isn't really a novel technology. This is what we know and love, uh, eating beer and bread already. So just um, using the advancement of microbes to create really high protein, clean label fermented products that, you know, when seasoned, have great taste, just like meat. So I'm, I've, I've gone off a little bit on a tangent, but just to say that um, there are some really innovative smaller companies, but also some very large legacy companies. So we actually average out to be a mid-cap fund. Okay, then the last stop on the supply chain is those consumer brands, of course, Beyond Meat and Vitasoy out of Hong Kong. But it's not just food. Once you realize you want a sustainable supply chain, you realize you want it for food as well as materials. So we're seeing alternative leathers, alternative um, fabrics, alternative beauty care products. A lot of people don't know that they're their animal oils and their makeup, and they don't want those things on their face. So I think of companies like Elf Beauty. I just love them. They're up to so, so much great stuff. Um, they have completely committed to replacing animal products in their beauty line. I love it. Thank you so much. And it's true. You have large established multinational companies that are kind of stubborn, but many uh, large players are innovating and collaborating because that innovation uh, drives progress for everyone. Yes, I so agree. And I love to see that because it's such a smart business move. There's a lot of equity in being first and being a leader and not fighting it. So we really look for those companies that are using their expertise to shift the su supply system, be it food or materials, for the better amount of people, the planet and animals.
So I know that you had mentioned that there are ramifications of being the first and only plant-based ETF, right? Or plant-based innovation ETF. And But some of these uh, ramifications are definitely indeed positive. Oh, yes. Oh, they're all positive. <laughs> really, honestly, they're all, I mean, the market's tricky business. We all know that. But, you know, it's meaningful. You can probably tell by the way I speak. It's meaningful work for us. I've been an expert in the plant-based business space for a very long time, hence the podcast, but also all of my consulting work. And I do a lot of thought leadership writing in um, periodicals like ESG Clarity and, and others. So, you know, it's meaningful work to help Wall Street understand that there's a connection between climate change and our food supply system. And when I started a year ago, that was a conversation people really couldn't wrap their minds around. Now we're seeing more and more that people understand, wait a minute, there is methane associated with our current food supply system. And the way that we make food is so inefficient. We're not feeding everybody like we should. And they're starting to see this opening of what's possible and that, you know, we moved from, let's say the horse and buggy to the automobile, and we're going to do that in the food supply system. And that's a huge positive because consumers want choices and these choices are cheaper and healthier and more efficient. So um, it's, I guess, tricky to be the first and only, but we're really at the tip of a mega trend and people are getting it pretty quickly. So I would say it's more exciting than anything else. I definitely think it's very exciting and energizing. So as we wrap up, tell our viewers and listeners how they can learn more about EatV and your work. So feel free to share websites, social media handles. Yes, wonderful. I spend an enormous amount of time on LinkedIn, folks. So, so you can always come find me right on LinkedIn. But if you'd like to get our newsletter, which we put out about every other week, please go to vegtechinvest.com and you can sign up for the newsletter there. Or you can go to eatvetf.com. You can also sign up for the newsletter there and there you'll really get the financials like our growth revenue numbers, our, our companies in averaged out over the 42 companies of the fund have 32% revenue growth, 31% EBITDA growth. And uh, we're looking at really strong price to book ratios. So about 2.1 for our fund as compared to the S&P 500, which is about five. So really um, you're looking at high growth companies at low growth prices really. So if you want those kind of details, go to eatvetf.com. But if you just want more of like, hey, the food supply system is shifting. What does that look like? You can go to vegtechinvest.com. Thank you so much. I know I get the newsletter and I love it. I read it. Thank you. <laughs> so you hope Thank you, Rita. Wow, that is just an amazing option and opportunity. And you are just a fountain of information about this fantastic growth opportunity for all of us, especially the sustainability of the planet. So thank you so much, Elizabeth. Thank you so much, Rita. Thank you to our viewers and listeners for watching Margaritas with Margarita Chang, CFP Pro. I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, producer of the show, and we will see you soon. Thank you so much for being part of our Incandescent Radio and TV family. This is Hope Katz Gibbs, founder of Incandescent Incorporated, the PR and publishing company for women entrepreneurs. 
Our incandescent radio and TV shows are brought to you by our advertisers and clients. Margaritas with Margarita Chang, CFP Pro, brings us 15 minutes of tips every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern on Facebook Live, where you'll meet experts who are helping us flex our financial muscles. Find all of the episodes at margaritachang.com. You'll also meet intuitive psychotherapist Kara Keem, who interviews therapists and other intuitive guides from around the world. Learn more at karakeen.com. And you're going to love social justice expert Karen Hanrahan, CEO of the San Francisco-based Glide Memorial Foundation. She bridges the gap from local impact to global change on her thought leadership show on Incandescent Radio. Learn more about Karen at karenhanrahan.com. You're also going to love Alina Leal, founder of the radical wellness journaling company, zenitjournals.com. Alina asks, have you tried to journal but found it hard to keep up? Zenit makes it easier to journal for your wellness. With Zenit, you can customize your journal with prompts that speak to you. No more blank pages. Your Zenit is your personalized space to take care of yourself. Website, zenitjournals.com. Feel it, write it, Zenit. You'll also meet amazing Tracy Schott, founder of VoicesForChange.com. Tracy is determined to change the world and end domestic violence. Learn more at VoicesForChange.net. And we are so thrilled to be publishing a book for Angela Mitchell, who is the tech expert of case management. And she's also the founder of this fabulous organization, Kids Code 2. She is determined to teach kids to code computers. Talk about teaching a kid to fish. We invite you to discover and peruse all the Incandescent Incorporated websites, the magazine for women by women about women, incandescentwomen.com. Our health and wellness magazine is beincandescent.com, the business of mind, body, spirit, soul, and heart. Our YouTube channel is incandescent.tv. And you can learn about our PR and book publishing services at incandescent.us. If you'd like to have your own radio and video show, check us out at incandescentradio.com, where you can see what we can do for you. These podcasts are also featured on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Our podcasts are produced by Brandy Wilsker. Our videos are produced by Nelson Benavides. Our website developer is Max Kukoy, and our incandescent illustrator and designer is Michael Glenwood Gibbs. If you'd like to learn more, please send me an email, hope at hopegibbs.com. Here is to your incredible, indelible incandescent success. Much love and many thanks.